Hi, good morning. I'm Regina Campbell, and I'm proud to bring the uh, Legal Zone to you from the Campbell Law Group. And uh, today, this is uh, Season 1, Episode 1, and we're going to be talking about Contracts 101. So this should be really exciting, guys. Um, it's going to give you a you know, brief primer on contracts and something that every business owner and person should know about contracts. So, you know, number one, contracts should always be in writing. <laughs> I know that may seem obvious, but you'll be surprised how often that uh, contracts are not in writing or they're paced together with text. You know, he said this and so-and-so said this, and then if you put it all together, this is, was our contract. And it doesn't mean that's actually a less effective contract or, or not legally binding contract. In most states, oral contracts are uh, honored and basically recognized, except for when it deals with land or lending money or something related to estates, which has to have certain formalities of execution. But for the most part, contracts basically you know, are an offer and acceptance of certain terms. So aside from number one, the contract should be in writing. Number two, also the terms need to be very, very clear. So basically, if you guys talked, uh, you know, if, if you're talking to a party or another business and you guys have agreed to certain terms, okay, I'll sell you 100 widgets uh, for $10 a widget. Basically, those are one of the essential terms that need to be in the contract. And that brings us to number two, which is basically essential terms, um, which might also not just include a price and um, you know, you know, understanding of how many products you're purchasing or what services you're purchasing. It also should include... Uh, you know, information such as when the delivery is going to be, who takes responsibility for delivery upon arrival, is it uh, at a location at a dock, and in which case the, you know, liability shifts to the other person to pick it up in time, what are the terms as far as who pays for delivery, what happens in the events of refunds. So these are some examples, depending on the type of contract that you have, uh, may be essential terms. So step number one, Basically, you have, of course, getting it in writing. That's very important, and we just discussed that. Step number two is getting the essential contracts, I mean, essential terms in place. Most people think of the essential terms as, you know, what you might have agreed to as far as, you know, the price of a good uh, and how many goods that you want. Those are normally considered essential, essential terms. Uh, but there may be other essential terms depending on the type of contract that you have. So, for instance, you might indicate that you want to buy 100 widgets at $10 a widget, but some of the other essential terms may be when the payment is due. Is payment due upon, is it 50-50, 50% now, 50% upon delivery? Is it due net 30 days? Also, in some of the essential terms, maybe with goods and service, goods contract, basically, might also be who's going to deliver the goods. When are they expected to be delivered? So these are some examples that might also, of additional terms that may be necessary. Uh, in the event, you know, actually as part of an essential term that should be included in a contract. Contracts are really, uh, it, it, they're basically bred from a necessity of what's going on in the deals. Those are examples of, uh, you know, basically as we indicated first in the first step, uh, you know, number one, a contract should be in writing. Number two should be to ensure that you include the essential terms of a contract actually in writing. So some examples of essential terms might be, you know, what, what you're purchasing, 100 widgets, and at what price are you purchasing the widgets. But specifically, let's, let's give an example of maybe what might be other essential terms that you need to know, like in a goods contract, for instance, might be, you know, when do you expect payment? Is it 50% now and 50% upon delivery? 
Is it uh, basically net 30 days? Are you going to be running basically on credit? Something to consider, you know, and when you're making the arrangement to make sure you're understanding that if you're waiting for payment. Um, and also, particularly with a goods contract, you may want to make sure that you're actually talking about when delivery is expected. When are the products supposed to be delivered? So it may seem basic, but you'll be surprised how many times contracts do not, particularly goods contracts, do not include these essential terms. Now, not including certain essential terms may not necessarily be fatal to enforcement of a contract, um, but it's not recommended. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so basically, I mean, if, if a court can tell more or less what you guys had intended in the basics, you know, offer and price or so to speak, or terms as far as the widgets and the price are there, sometimes the courts can fill in the gaps, but it's an extremely expensive process. So it's recommended that you're done, that is done in the contract. So it's clear what the parties had basically intended. So when you're dealing with service contracts, for instance, we know, uh, give another examples of essential terms, you know, what services are included, what services are not included. You know, once again, when is payment expected? What is the expectation of the parties? And if there's anything specifically material or on which a party is relying on, that should become an essential term that's clearly defined in a contract. Okay. Uh, number three, you may want to also consider, of course, what state law, you know, applies as far as governing the contract. So depending on if you're dealing across state, a lot of us are dealing business on the internet, it's better to put a venue clause and potentially a personal jurisdiction clause in these contracts, which you'll often see from a, res you know, from a personal and a commercial point of view, you'll often see a Florida law applies, the parties agree to basically jurisdiction within the state of Florida in the event of a dispute. So, you know, these are things that are maybe important, particularly depending on the type of, you know, contract that you're entering into. Some of these contracts, so for instance, real estate, you know, purchase of a real estate property, a lot of times they're going to be governed by the, the state in which where the property is located or specifically the county in which it's located. So some of that lends itself to not have such, such importance, but in other types of contracts, these can be important elements, basically. So one of the other things is also consider, you know, we don't always want to get into a contract and and be thinking, well, what happens if it goes wrong? Obviously, we're all hoping when we get into a contract that it's going to go right. But unfortunately, there is that side of the equation that's a possibility, and it should be covered in a contract. What happens in the event that someone does not comply? What happen, You know, what are the remedies for basically a breach of a contract? Um, you know, do you want to call something a material breach right off the bat? For instance, let's say if the goods are not delivered on by the 30th day, because maybe you have to turn around and sell it to somebody else, and it might be an important element in which you need to make sure you have it. Time may be of the essence to you. So you may want to say that it is the contract is potentially canceled or considered terminated if it's not delivered on the 30th day, to give you an example from the original widgets, sort of essential terms. So I think you could probably see, you know, building a contract is like building a foundation. It's been, it basically just describes, you know, what it is that each one of you thought goes into this house or into this project. So whether it's for a personal contract for personal use information or consumer goods or for, you know, commercial, commercial reasons, you can kind of see how these different elements are very important. Also very important may be the expectations of attorney fees. Unfortunately, once again, I know that we don't always try to think about things in terms of they don't go well, but it is a reality. So for instance, in the state of Florida, you're not entitled to attorney fees. If someone breaches a contract, you're not entitled to attorney fees unless it's statutorily permitted or it's in a contract. So someone can breach a contract that might have a value of, let's say, for instance, $30,000. 
and you have to take them to court to enforce the contract. Unfortunately, if there's no attorney fees provision, you might spend ten dollars or $15,000 enforcing the contract to be able to get your 30 back. And again, that's assuming that the person is, you know, you can actually execute on your judgment, you win, you can execute on your judgment, and you can actually get the funds back. So it's often important element, I find, one of the most important ones to have an attorney fees provision that requires, you know, in the event this contract has to be enforced, um, or there's some subject, some issues of interpretation or anything of that nature, that the prevailing party be entitled to attorney fees. So, and again, you know, each one of these elements can go, we can go further into, into depth with each one of them, but I'm just giving you an overview of the type of provisions that should be in a contract and why, uh, and the basic elements at, at minimum. Of course, uh, we also want to talk about, you know, you know, who's signing this contract, basically. Making sure that the parties signing it are actually have authority to bind that company or that person, have authority to act on behalf of that person that's entering into a legally binding contract for whether it's services or goods. So also you want to take into consideration if you're doing any international transactions, that can be rather tricky. You may want to use letter of credits, other types of forms to ensure payment in addition to um, enforceability. What type of laws you choose, uh, what type of law, you know, is that country's law, for instance, depending on where the goods are coming from or the services are occurring, is that country going to honor the contract? What are these rules? These are different types of things you want to think about. This actually also even applies in a family setting, if uh, some of us don't think about it in that manner. But even family contracts such as prenups or postnups, uh, marital settlement agreements, are all subject to the contract law, all subject to contract law. Which for the most part, just to understand a little bit, uh, most courts are required to enforce a contract based on the four corners of what they call the four corners of the agreement. So unless the agreement is uh, ambiguous in some manner, one of the provisions are uh, ambiguous, the court is not allowed to go outside the contract to actually look and see what the parties may have agreed or not agreed to. If it's unambiguous, they're required to stay within the four corners. So once again, this is another example as why you need to make sure that the elements, the essential elements and terms are in your contract. They're spelled out clear. Uh, I guess one of the other terms I would say for number four would be make sure your contract is as clear and concise as, as it can be. You know, we, of course, you know, uh, you know, yeah, you know, hindsight, uh, you know, 2020 is, you know, you know, the past is, you, know, you see it you know, sort of in hindsight, you see things more clearly than you do a lot of times when you're doing the contract at the moment. But it's very important to make sure you understand what you're writing and that it's clear. And often in contracts, I will use examples, uh, for instance, if we're doing an equation to figure out a termination provision or how to figure out a pricing that might be a little bit more complicated than just a, a per price unit, I might give an example. You know, so for instance, in the event this occurs, this is how the parties intend for this to be interpreted, and I give an example. Okay, so these are little tips just to help you out that actually avoid potentially uh, your contract or what you might have agreed to not being enacted or enforced in the, in the way that you guys sort of bargained. And it's very important because if it's not clear or the contract doesn't have everything that you need, a lot of times you're going to end up with a circumstance that you did not count on or unfortunately in some cases a lot of people can take advantage of it. So, you know, so for instance, in the example that I was giving you about an ambiguous term, if there's an ambiguous term, potentially the courts can go outside the four corners and use what they call parole evidence to be able to review maybe parties' emails that were not, you know, that contain additional terms or context in which they're not sort of contained in the agreement, right? 
But this is actually not permitted in the event that you uh, have an unambiguous term, even if it was unintentional or you didn't mean to actually sort of not clarify that or, or fix that provision in the agreement, most of the time the agreement's going to be upheld in the way that it's written, expressly written, as the courts would say. So here's a couple examples, just a couple tips when you're thinking of contracts, uh, whether you're writing them or reading them. I know we're all stuck, we've all been in them both positions, so to speak. So hopefully this is helpful, and of course maybe we'll in another subsequent series we'll drill down a little bit more into, for instance, merger clauses, um, you know, other terms for for instance that go with manufacturing and distribution agreements, and talk about essential terms that exist in those contracts and other types of contracts. But this is a little primer. Hopefully it's helpful, and we want to thank everyone for joining us on our first, you know, season one, episode one of the Legal Zone with the Regina, with Regina Campbell, brought to you by the Campbell Law Group. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope to bring you better content and, and not better, but more content in the future that might be helpful for you. Thank you for joining us for our first for our first podcast, season one, episode one of Contracts 101. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like you to subscribe to YouTube and follow us on all our social media accounts, and we look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Thank you so much.